Welcome to an inspirational Sunday message from Found Church. We hope you will be challenged and encouraged while listening to this message. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our church website, foundchurch.co.uk, or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm going to read um, uh, part of this great passage, which will be well known to many of you here today. So Luke 15, and uh, beginning at verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. And uh, so this parable of the lost sheep, then the lost coin, and then finally, Jesus continued in verse 11, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he, he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf. Because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Amen and may God bless the reading of his word. On Wednesday the 24th of January, I felt the Lord spoke to me about this particular passage and how I was to share this passage today. And uh, so I want to speak about three things, three headings, uh, a bit about the context a bit about the characters, and a bit about the challenge. In the context of this, I read at the beginning, is found in verses 1 to 2. 
Jesus is accused of hanging out with tax collectors and sinners, which, of course, he was guilty of. Jesus had never any bother in gathering a crowd. You know, it's an interesting thing that uh, a lot of people who mess up their lives uh, don't want to come near a church, but they wanted to be near Jesus. I think there's something there for all of us uh, to learn. If we want to reach out and help people, I think we've got to learn from Jesus, eh? And I think he can help us in these, in these areas. And, and so the Pharisees and the teachers of law were annoyed. They were annoyed at, at, at this. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. In response to being criticized by the religious leaders of the day, Jesus told three stories. The first story, which I didn't read, was about the lost sheep. The second story was about the lost coin. And the, the third story is about the lost son, or more appropriately, the lost sons based around the theme of lost, and they could all teach us something. There are other main themes here in this passage. It's a chapter that deals with rejoicing and celebrating as well. Because when the sheep was found, then there was rejoicing. And, and verse 6 says, rejoice with me. Then when the lost coin was found, again, we find in verse 9, rejoice with me. And when the lost son returned, there was great celebration. Unfortunately, the elder brother refused to go in and there was no rejoicing in his heart. But I would like to zero in this morning on the passage I read about the third son, the lost son. I said there are two sons, but we'll come to that later on. And that's the context. So Jesus is speaking into this context where he's being criticized for reaching out to lost people. And Jesus is telling the story about three different lost scenarios. And then the characters in this uh, passage are, are very simply the lost son, uh, the father, the younger son, and the elder son. And each of the characters have something to teach us. I remember many years ago, 20, 30 years ago, listening to uh, a series of meetings that Diane's dad had given me uh, the DVDs, or the CDs of uh, in the village where, where they live. And there was did a convention over the weekend. And on the three occasions, uh, the guy who was preaching spoke on each of these different people. So there's, there's a lot could be said in this particular passage. This passage that we're going to look at today is on, on the prodigal son. And it's been called the greatest short story ever told. And I, I would rate this story very highly. I could go along with that. It has inspired many people. Artists have painted uh, several of, of the scenes here. Actors have acted it out. And uh, it's a story that speaks into people who have messed up. So let me say this morning, if you've messed up or are messing up, this is for you. And Jesus is wanting to reach out to you today. So we read about the prodigal son. We're actually told a lot about him. Don't know everything about him. We're told about his good points. We're told about his bad points. We're told about his inner thoughts at some points. And yet there's a lot we don't know. He's the youngest of the two sons, but yet we are not told his name. We all know about him, or many of us will, but we're not told his name. And one day, this younger son went to his dad and he asked for his share of the estate. Inheritance is mentioned over 200 times in the Bible. It's a very, very important thing. And, uh, you know, it says in Proverbs 13:22, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And there's stuff in the New Testament about that as well. In our family, we joke about inheritance. 
And uh, there's times that, uh, and as you get older, I suppose I'll be talking more about it, you know. But uh, uh, we, in my mum's uh, house, we used, my mum used to have Dalton figures and different things like that. And we used to go and visit, and, uh, and, and, the, and they used to say, I would like that, I would like that, I would like that, I would like that. And so they all kind of think, and maybe that goes on in your family too. Well, this youngest son wants his inheritance now. His father has not passed away, yet he wants his inheritance now. And there's a sense in which, by wanting his inheritance now, he's saying to his dad, I wish you were dead. And if you knew anything of Jewish history, you will know that the elder, bro- the elder brother, eh, eh, eldest son, inherits a double portion. So his portion would have been a third of the estate. But yet, his father gave him his, his share of the estate. It's incredible, really. And that would have been costly. Because how would he get the, 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 the inheritance? How, how would he get the, the, the money to release the inheritance? He's obviously got to sell something or get rid of something to be able to, to do that. And then the Bible says, not long after that, verse 13. So what was really in his heart? So that's why the Bible says we've got to guard our heart. Because what we think about then, then usually leads to stuff that we say and usually leads to stuff that we do. So the Bible says, above all else, guard your heart, for it's a wellspring of life. So these things that were going on in his heart then suddenly becomes manifested. He left home. He didn't really want to spend the rest of his life boxed in there to that locality. The world was his oyster. He wanted to go and explore it. And, and so this, this story, though 2,000 years old, is very modern. The, the, these things are happening all the time uh, around about us. And... Uh, Today, you might say he's an explorer or a backpacker attracted by the, the bright lights. And he decides to go for a distant country, uh, out of sight, out of mind. And the bright spots of these days were places like Rome or Antioch. And uh, when people are far away from their homes, you, you will know it happens to business people. Uh, it often happens to footballers, rugby players, different sports people. And uh, People going in Hindus and people going in stag dues. Different things happen. And usually when you're away from home, it, it, it's, it's a, a bit less boxed then. And people then go to do things. It's in their hearts. And life became a party for him. And he painted the town red. Squandered his, his wealth and wild living. All that, that money that he had, he blows it all. And, and if it was today, you could say probably we'd have had the best champagne, the choicest food, the latest designer gear. And uh, powerful instance, it would have all been happening. It would have all been there. And, and people would have been able to see what a great time this lad was happening, what, what lad was having. But that kind of lifestyle is generally short-lived, and predictably, his resources dried up. And, and it had likely been so hard for his father to amass these resources, to build them up, and now they were gone in a heartbeat. And verse 14 said, after he'd spent everything, so I found out something in life that you probably already know. It's a lot easier to spend money than it is to make money, isn't it? It's easy. And, and it's pretty easy to spend other people's. It's, uh, it's good. And I was traveling to dancing this week with, with uh, our uh, eldest granddaughter who lives in this area. And, and it's not our eldest granddaughter, it's the eldest one that lives here. And we were talking about uh, spending and saving and, and compound interest. I was tell, telling her that Albert Einstein said, Compound interest, that's a great conversation for a nine-year-old, that uh, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world, and we began to talk about the wonders of the world. But this father has, has worked really hard, he's done a lot of work, he's, he's, he's uh, invested uh, so much, 
and then it's all gone in a heartbeat. And then circumstances were against them. See, life's not all plain sailing. And, and, and tragedy happens to all of us. Our king at this moment in time has got cancer. And, and it ha- things happen to all of us in our lives. And the Bible tells us to prepare for the storms. In fact, Jesus told us to build for the storm, like the wise man who built his house on the rock. And people today would say, this guy's down in his luck. That's not a word that you, that you hear me saying much about, or his luck was against them. I'm not a believer in, in that. Because I think there's lots of things. I believe in God's providence uh, over my life. So you never really hear me but say that. But people would say that. and Because uh, there was a severe famine in the whole country. And you see, he's lived his life without margins. And, and really one of the best things you can do is live your life with margins, isn't it? If you live your life without margins, if you don't put something aside for a rainy day, then, then the day comes when it rains and it's uh, difficult. And he began to be in need. There's widespread famine. And we read something that happened to him for probably the first time in his life. It says he began to be in need. And the Bible would suggest that this has not happened before. And he did the honorable thing. He went and did a, got a job. So, so he first did what he could do. And, and, and I commend him uh, for that. He went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country. The, 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 the word is a very strong word in the original language. And it, and it actually means he glued himself uh, to that person. And, and, and the, the, this uh, man, his boss, sent him to feed pigs. And because pigs were unclean in, 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 in Jewish culture, that was, that was a really a low job that he had to do. It was, it was a poor job uh, for him. So here he is in a distant country. He's no money. In a time of famine, he's in need and he's feeding pigs. The wages of sin pay their price. And uh, and his perceived road to freedom, what he thought was a road to freedom going out that way, it was actually the road to disaster. And he thought he was going to have as much freedom to do whatever he wanted to do. And now he ends up in a bit of a mess. At one point, he, he, he was the, the young man who had everything. And now he's got nothing. And nobody who has anything is going to give it to him. And he still hasn't bottomed out. He's still in skid row. He hasn't got right to the bottom yet. But then he came to a major turning point in his life. He came to his senses. And you know, it's good to evaluate our life. I think, like, every Monday morning we have a pastoral meeting and we look back over the weekend and we, and we look and see what we could do better. So over Zoom, 8 o'clock on a Monday morning, we have a, we have a, t- a team meeting. And, uh, and we talk about what we did, what went well, what didn't go well, and, and uh, what we could do a little better. We do that every single week. And it's good to evaluate our lives and to say, well, how's things going? You know, how are things going? Are, 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 am I in a flow of blessing or what's going on in my life? And in Haggai 1, Old Testament prophet, verses 5 to 11, this is what the prophet says. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. He says, give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways, and so it goes on. God was somewhere in their lives, but he wasn't at the center. And life wasn't going too well for them. And because of that, he challenges the people, he says, give careful thought to your ways. They're working hard, and they're never enough. They're putting their money in bags with holes in it. And so God says, evaluate your life. And I think it's a great thing to evaluate our life. 
Am I where God wants me to be? Am I in the trajectory that God wants me to go on? As if not, as a, somebody once said, the good thing about the broad road is it's got plenty of room for turning. And I always think that's good. And so, so this is this guy. It's a turning point. He came to his senses. And his heart began to think about home. And the text today is this, verse 17. How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. But we're going to come back to this in a minute. Perhaps it was the first time that he'd thought about home for a long time. He was glad to see his back on home, and now he's beginning to think about home. And he's a complete set change of attitude. He says, I'm going to set out and go to my father, and he's going to fess up, and he's going to speak about his sin, and he's got, I, I, I like I like his process here. He says, I will set out and I'll go back. And he's not going to make excuses. He's, he's not going to blame the economy. He's not going to blame the people that he's doing life with there. He's, he's, not, he's not going to blame the, the, the downturn in events. He's not going to blame any of that. He's going to take personal responsibility for his own life. And you know, we've all got to do that in our lives. Sometimes it's not everybody else to blame. I remember hearing a story that Lisa Bevere taught. And, and she said, somebody was coming up there and said, you had this problem here, and then she had another problem there, and then another problem here. And Lisa Bevere turned around to her and said, the common thing in all of this is you are present at every one of these train wrecks. And it's absolutely true. And, and sometimes you've just got to face up to these things. And so he's, he's, he's got to take responsibility, and he's going to say, I've sinned against heaven and against you. He says he's messed up with his dad, as I've already mentioned up to you, and uh, he's sinned against against heaven. And his attitude is commendable. He wants to go back to his dad and he's going to want to be a servant. And really, there's a sense in which every one of us have got to come to that place where we're going to be servants of God. If we want to be great in God's kingdom, Jesus says, learn to be the servant of all. There's always work to do. You know, always things that we can do. And 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 so, that's, that's what Jesus, Jesus himself showed that by his own example, washing a disciple's feet. So his attitude's changed. All of these things went through his mind. But how many of us know it's possible to decide that, that you're going to do certain things, but the gap between deciding you're going to do it and actually doing it can be a big gap? It's, it's, you've got, it, it, we've got to turn our thoughts and our desires into actually actions. That's why the, the, the leadership stuff that we've been doing over a period of months now, uh, beyond success, and one of the challenges that, that those of you who have been through the course uh, will see is that every week you've got to decide that you've got to do something for next week, and you've got to do it. So I said last week in front of the team, I want to lose three and a half pounds this week. Not sterling, but uh, uh, weight, right? And, and so uh, when Joyce came up this morning and she says, I've got rules, and see the team that were here early, you see, there is an incentive. And, and uh, so there was so, rolls with sausage and rolls with bacon. She says, I've made them, I says, but I'm not going to take them, because I said that to the group last week. And, uh, and so this guy's in a far country. He's messed up. He's coming to a decision of what he's going to do, but he actually says what he's going to do, and he's going to put it into action. And he, and he begins to do something about it. Every journey begins with the first step. So that's the context and the character. And the challenge that I want to, to give to us today is to make home great. Because when this guy began to think about home, 
he began to think about how great home was. And so in this dedication service today, my, my, my heading is about making home great. Sometimes we can look back at things with rose-colored spectacles. And just a couple of weeks ago, Stephen offended half the church. And I'm going to offend the other half this morning, right? Because Stephen says that he doesn't like call the midwife. But I do. I thought it was you. Oh, okay, that was Dan Brown, it was you. I, so I do, it was Dan. I, so I actually do like, I, I like call the midwife. And Diane likes call the midwife. And, and I'll tell you why I like it. Because it reminds me of when I was a kid. That's why. Because just now that's going through the 60s. And, and, and the last time I watched it, there was a Zephyr car there. I remember that was my dream car. I wanted to have it. And, and, and a Bedford van. My dad used to drive one of them. And, and he used to have a push button. Some of you might remember. A push button on the floor that started it. Anybody remember that? Anybody remember? Yeah, Alan Seal remembers. And Stephen, Stephen remembers, I, John Russell, Alec Harley, and a column change. I remember these things. And, and, it's, it's under in the museum, I, I, maybe some people think I should be there as well, I know, I. But I'm sure I may age, Alec, yeah. But I, my sister likes it as well, so, so we're, we're, we're thinking, this, this reminds me so much of going to the clinic when I was little and get your rose hips set up and, and your stuff like that. It reminds me, some of you haven't a clue what I'm speaking about, but it's an education. Like, you can Google it and it'll tell you, like, not just now, but later on. So, so I remember these things. You see the scales in your, in your, in the weighing machines and it just like takes it all back for me. I, I, I enjoy that. But, but you know, I know it wasn't all great. You know, I just need to say the word dentist, and that just reminds me of, of the reality of where we're at today. It, it's a lot better than it was then. That big metal thing that used to stick into your mouth didn't like that at all. And, uh, but, but there's a number of things that I didn't like. But I remember when, when, I was, when I left school, I went to work in the Bank of Scotland, and I was transferred through to Aberdeen, and, and I stayed in digs in, in uh, the Bridge of Dawn in Aberdeen Monday to Friday. And the lady that I, that I stayed with uh, was a friend of, of, of uh, a friend of our family's, and uh, so I stayed upstairs, and, and it was one of these big metal beds with springs in it, and linoleum on the floor, and and uh, and there was no central heating, and it just reminded me of, of when I grew up. And so, see, when you go out your bed in the morning, you woke up instantly, like. Soon as your feet touch these linoleum on the floor, you are awake like you are awake ready for the day. But so the prodigal thought about home. And home isn't always as, things looking back with rose tinted spectacles aren't always as good. But home was great. I want to tell you some things about home. What did the prodigal find at home? The home had a watching and waiting father. I would surmise to you that, that this father watched every day, although the Bible doesn't say that, but he was certainly watching that day. I think he was watching that day because he probably watched every day, but, but we can't say that, but I, 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 I like to think of it that way. And, uh, you know, lost things uh, are, are being found, and uh, the tax collectors and the prostitutes that Jesus was hanging out with were lost people. And so he's telling a story about that. And, uh, and so what, what home is, is, as I've just said, is a watching and waiting father. And this is the reality of it today. See, if you've messed up and your life's a mess, God's looking for you. That's, 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 so, so the Pharisees and tax collectors were annoyed 
at what Jesus was doing. And Jesus is saying, that's what Father God is like. See, Father God is like the Father in a story. And he's watching and waiting. Secondly, home in a father who was filled with compassion. Literally moved with compassion. It's like he was moved in his inner being. And, and uh, he could have been filled with indignation. He, he, he could have been filled with all kinds of things. I mean, I don't imagine that this, this prodigal son was coming bouncing back like and singing and whistling. I, I think he would have been very downcast. And, and, uh, and, and so what you've got here is a picture of Father God when people have messed up and, and uh, it's Father God actually is filled with compassion. And the third thing here is home had a father who broke with protocol to welcome back the broken. Things that he did here were not usual in that cause. First of all, he ran, and that would have not been usual in that cause. It was unheard of. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And what a picture. I mean, I didn't think this guy was dressed in the latest designer gear. I didn't think he'd fancy trainers. I, I don't think he'd the latest Gucci stuff on. I don't think he'd the latest perfume. It was there. I, th- I think this guy was stinking. I think he was messed up. I, I, I don't think his clothes were, were anything to, 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 to look at. And, and this father has not only moved inwardly, but he's moved out, outwardly. And the text, the, the literally, you can picture here, it's full of dramatic action. The father runs, he embraces him, he literally falls upon his neck, and he kisses him. And, and, and it's such a beautiful picture. Fourthly, he found home as a place of restoration. True to his word, the son began to say, like, I've sinned against heaven, against you. And, and he didn't actually get it out. The father is quick to restore him. Quick, he says, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger. He's taken back as a son. What a homecoming. In a, in a few minutes, the band are going to sing a song called Homecoming. And, and it's a great song. And, and, and I want you to think about this picture when you, when you hear this song. Home was a place of celebration. And, 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 and he's going to have a party. Because, because hey, I... A lot of pictures that a lot of people have about God is very different from what the God that Jesus told us about. He's wanting to celebrate. He's, he's, he's inviting everyone. Kill the fat calf. Let's, let's celebrate for this son of, of mine was lost and he's now found. And, and I just felt today that God wanted me back in January. He laid it in my heart that today God is saying to every single one of us, let's make home great. Let's make home great. You know, Many characteristics of home are mentioned here. Love, generosity, warmth, restoration, celebration. But there's another son here, and we're not going to spend long on him. But, but he's so different. And he's like the religious leaders of the day. You see, he refused to go in. And that's what, that was the case with the religious leaders. Jesus is coming, speaking about his kingdom, inviting them to come. They don't even recognize him as a Messiah. They won't go in and they're trying to stop other people going. And this, this, this uh, guy, this elder brother is a bit like them. And, and he's, he's the real lot rather than a son mentality. Joy doesn't seem to be a characteristic of his life and he's judgmental and finger pointing. Can I just tell you, when I was standing there this morning and worshiping the Lord this morning, and, and actually stood in the wrong place. I stood right in front of the speaker this morning. But, 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 uh, so I got full blast. But I'll tell you what, it was more wonderful. I thought, isn't it wonderful to be led in worship and my heart would be responsive 
to such a good God as we have this morning. It is really a, ble- a blessing. And, and so it's a passage filled with rejoicing. And this elder brother refuses to go in. It's a passage full of grace. And he stands there isolated. And I think Rob Parsons of, of Care for the Family, who's a well-known author, and, and Dan, I heard him speak live last year, and, and, and he spoke on, 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 he's written a book on, on the prodigal son. And, uh, and he said something that I've never forgotten. He says this. He says, when lost people come into the church, pray that they meet the father's love before they encounter the elder brother. I like that. I like that. Because we need to be, we need to be like father God in this situation. And that's what, when prodigals return to the fold, we've got to be like that. We, we, we have a lovely chat on, on our Grangemouth uh, WhatsApp. And somebody commented on it this week. I love the honesty and transparency in this group. And I say amen. amen. People really do care for each other in our life group and our WhatsApp chat. And it's, it's wonderful to see that. And I stand here uh, uh, privileged to be part of that group. I don't lead that group. I go to that group. And I love the group. And, and so, who would not want to come back to a home that's loving, caring, welcoming, forgiving, restoring, and celebrating? And that's what church needs to be like. This passage is so rich that we could go on forever. I'm going to invite the band now. We're just going to draw this to a close. But in every situation where there was lost things, there, there, there is, and they were found, there was rejoicing. One, one was lost in the open country. One was lost in a house. One was lost for a while because of his poor choice. And the other was lost in his father's house. I don't know what shoes you're wearing today, but, but, but we can be like many people in, in that passage. In fact, I think we can be like Father God. And there's people in this church who are like Father God. And I see them reaching out all the time to the lost uh, and to the broken. We, can, we could maybe be like the prodigal today. Maybe we're... Maybe it took a lot of hassle for us to get here today. Maybe we cross a lot of things in our mind. Maybe, maybe we're thinking, oh, what will people think? I've messed up. I've, uh, uh, and what will people think if I come here today? I hope you got a welcome. I'm pretty sure you did. But if you didn't, let me welcome you again. It's great to see you here uh, today. You might be running, but Jesus is looking for you. Maybe we're like the elder brother, and maybe God's just spoken to us. My life's been so judgmental. I've been, I've been so harsh. I've had that slave mentality. I, I've not had that sonship. But we're all called, I believe, to be like Father God. We're all called to make home great. Home wasn't that bad after all. And I would say to every parent today, and when, in a little while when we dedicate the two children, which is always a privilege, you know, make home great. Let's... Can we agree today that we're going to make home great? We're going to make home the best that we can make it. I thank God that I've got a great wife who makes home great. She loves her kids. She loves her grandchildren. She just loves her family. Loves the family around about it. And I thank God that we have, our lives are enriched by people that we are in relationship with who want to make home great. Nothing's ever a bother. It's always like that. You know, some homes are so messed up even some Christian homes are so legalistic and regimental that the first chance the children get, they're off ski. They're gone. And I'll tell you, governments could do well to look at what the Bible says and invest more into family and make families great. 
give tax breaks and things like that and help families. I think there's things that he could do and support the family. Because when a family's strong, I believe the nation is strong. Thank God for people like Teen Challenge, Fourth Valley Connect. If you want to see their testimonies on the first Sunday of the month, tune in, speak to David or Stephen and, and uh, Kyle and there's others here, Joan, that, that will point you to that. You can watch testimonies of people who have really messed up their lives and on, on, on substances and things like that and now their lives are completely changed. So I don't know who you see yourself like in that passage today. But what I do know is God is challenging us today to make home great. So we just bow our heads in a few moments of prayer. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Please feel free to contact us through our website, foundchurch.co.uk, or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.